um, in your worship guide, right under the um, sermon title, there's an outline. I'd be real grateful if you would follow that. And uh, I want to call your attention to something. About uh, three-fourths of the way down, you'll see a, a verse from Second Chronicles, two verses. It begin, they begin, may the Lord who is good, from Second Chronicles 30, you see that? Well, that's in the wrong place, and that's my fault. That belongs up under the second heading, so get you a pen and draw a little, and say, Travis messed up, and it's goes under, it goes under the intentions and motives. I think that'll make sense when I, when I get there. Do you remember the, uh, the legend of uh, Sir Galahad and the quest for the Holy Grail? The, the Grail was, the, the legend says, the Grail was the cup that Jesus and his friends used on that Thursday night in the upper room when they celebrated that last supper. And Joseph of Arimathea, the legend goes, got his hands on that grail and used that grail or that cup the next afternoon as Jesus was dying and, and caught in that cup the blood that, that flowed from Jesus' side. And then Joseph of Arimathea moved to uh, what is now England and in the Middle Ages, well, his, by the way, he, he, his family generation after generation passed the grail down from one generation to the next until, until they lost the grail and nobody knew where it was. And then in the Middle Ages, uh, the knights, King Arthur and the knights, they wanted to find the grail. So these knights went uh, searching for it, but the only one who could see it, and I may be getting, uh, not knowing all the details, I read the Cliff's Notes, not the whole thing, and so the, um, but the one, only one who could really see the grail and all the mysteries that surrounded the grail was Sir Galahad, and it was because he and only Sir Galahad had a pure heart. Well, Jesus spoke about pure hearts and said, blessed are joy that no one and nobody can take away belongs to the one who, who has a pure heart, for he or she will see God. We're at the sixth beatitude, the sixth blessing that Jesus used as part of the, well, the introduction to his sermon on the mount. Today we hear his words, blessed, joy which nobody and nothing can take away belongs to the one whose heart is pure, for he will see or she will see God. At the heart of you is the heart of you. The heart is the core, the essence of who you are. Now we talk about the heart, as Miss Kristen said, as, as um, a seat of our emotions. We talk about loving with our heart. We talk about a broken heart. We talk about loving from our heart. In fact, um, uh, this, yesterday, standing right, right about here, uh, I, I had the honor of performing uh, the, um, uh, the wedding ceremony of Eric Lightning. Some of you remember him. He grew up in the church. And uh, Shelby Chamberlain, they, they got married right here. And I got to that part where I said, I, I'm going to ask each of you a, a series of questions. And if you agree, then I want you to answer, I do. And I, I said, Eric, I'm going to start with you. And I said, Eric, do you, do you take Shelby to be your wife, to have and to hold, to love and to cherish, and so on, and forsaking all others, keep yourself only for her so long as you both shall live? And there was a pause. And I looked up, and Eric's uh, lip was quivering and he didn't say, I do. He said, with all my heart, I do. That was so romantic. 
And he, I think he really meant it. And so he says, from my heart, I, the center of my being, I, I do. The heart, we talk about the heart as the center of emotion, so does the Bible. But the Bible speaks of the heart as so much more. The heart in the Bible is, is where we think. As, as a person thinks, so he is, the Bible says. The, the heart is where we think in the, in the Bible. The heart is the center of our intentions, our motives in the Bible. In the Bible, our, um, our volition, our will, our decision resides uh, in the heart. In the, in the Bible, our character, our conscience, Conscience is our heart. So in the Bible, the, the heart is, is not only the core of who we are, it is the totality of who we are. It is our entire person. So when the Bible says we're to be pure in heart, it's our entire being, all that we are is to be pure. And the New Testament scholars tell us that pure hearts mean the following. Number one, and they're on your outline, number one, pure hearts mean moral purity. Moral purity. By the way, there's someone listening to me, and I'm not going to say whether it's in the room or by TV, but there's somebody listening to me who is engaged in immoral behavior. It is wrong for you, and you know it. It's bad for you, it's unhealthy for you, and for those people around you. And I know who you are. I'm just kidding, I don't know who you are. I. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I just made all that up. However, <laughs> however, some of you were kind of scared, weren't you? Some of you, yeah. So if just for a fleeting moment, you thought, how does he know? <laughs> then maybe I am talking to you. If you're engaged in, in immoral behavior, cut it out. It's, you're, you were created for better than that. For better than those things that are harmful to ourselves and to people around us, better than you were created for more than to live beneath the standards that God has for you. A pure heart means that ethically, morally, we are pure. And, and Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, we don't just sin with our behavior, we sin with our hearts. He said you don't have to have a, a physically intimate relationship. If you lust in your heart, it's, it's sin. It's tantamount to adultery. And you don't have to kill somebody. If you hate them in your heart, it's tantamount to adultery. So the heart, the center of who we are, that's also, that's also where we, we sin, not just in our in our behavior. So, so to be pure of heart is to be morally pure. That's the first thing. But second, to be of pure heart is to have pure intentions or motives. Hebrews 4.12 is on your outline. The Word of God is living and active, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When we make hard decisions, maybe complicated decisions, maybe even controversial decisions, the question is, how is your heart? When you took that principled stand, was your heart pure? When you made that difficult decision that people questioned, was your heart pure? When you were criticized for the thing that you said or did, was your, was your heart pure? The thing is that people can dismiss you and demonize you, but if your heart, if your intentions are right, then you're good in God's book. But on the other hand, people can applaud you, they can approve of you. If your heart is not pure, no matter what others think, then, then, that's, then God counts that as sin. 
In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul is under attack and he wrote, some take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. In the Living Bible, it says, at least I was well-intentioned. As I read it, Paul is saying, folks can question my decisions and the stands I've taken, but they can't question my heart. And the prophet Samuel said, the Lord does not look at, and this is on your outline, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And this matter of pure motives or pure intentions applies even to our spiritual journeys. In Second Chronicles, there's a beautiful story of how the people of Israel had fallen. They had, to use a good Bible word, they had backslidden. They were not who they ought to be. And then King Hezekiah came to the throne, a young, godly, spirit, deeply spiritual king. And he called the people of Israel to renewal, to revival. And he said, to express our new faith, our newfound faith, let's go to Jerusalem and let's celebrate the Passover. But there were two problems. Number one, the date of the Passover had passed. They wouldn't do it on the right, they couldn't do it on the right day or else they'd have to wait months. Second, they didn't have time for everybody to get ritually pure, to go through those ceremonies that made them ritually clean. But Hezekiah said, I know that, but, but let's come together and worship even if we don't get the details right. And he prayed, and this is the one I said I messed up on, so look down there at, at, at may the Lord. May the Lord who is good pardon everyone who sets his heart on seeking God, even if he is not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. God honored their sincere hearts even when the details weren't right. And here's my point. You might not get all the details right. In fact, if you're, if you're kind of new, Maybe you're new to this church, or maybe you're new to church, period. Maybe you're watching by television, and you don't quite understand everything, or you're in the room, or on television, or, or sitting in front of your computer, and you're not sure exactly when to stand up and when to sit down, and some of the words you don't quite make sense to the songs. You think, why? I'm not sure. that I don't, I don't get that reference. Or maybe if, if I were to tell you to find Obadiah in the Bible, you'd panic, like, I don't know where Obadiah is. There are lots of us who would have a hard time finding Obadiah, by the way, right? And maybe you're a little afraid of going to a Bible study because you're, you're, you're afraid that somebody might ask you a question that you couldn't answer. Listen, all those things are not unimportant, but they're just not as important as your heart. The details, I don't mean to dismiss the details of our precious rituals. And I mean rituals in the best sense of the word. I don't mean to dismiss them, but those, those things are not as important as the heart. Hezekiah said, we're going to get the date wrong, and everybody hasn't been ceremonially cleansed, but we want to pour out our hearts to God. And he, and he, he prayed, God, heal these whose hearts are set on you. Deuteronomy 4, if you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart. If your intentions are good, your motives are good, then in God's eyes, things are well. Next, pure hearts means undivided hearts, whole hearts, hearts of integrity. First Chronicles 29, 17 is on your outline. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. James 4, 8, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purity of heart is authenticity. It is genuineness. 
It is integrity. Purity of heart is genuineness, authenticity, integrity. The word sincere is an interesting word. In the Greek language, the language in which the New Testament was written, it literally means judged by the Son. And our word sincere is a combination of two Latin words, sine sera, which means without wax. And as I understand it, those are related. The Greek word and the Latin word are, re are related. Remember, Greek means judged by the Son. Sincere, sine sera in, in Latin, without wax. And here's the, here's the background. So in, in ancient days, including the days of the Bible, really fine pottery was really delicate. It was thin. And so sometimes when they would put the pottery into the oven to bake, it would crack a little bit. And there were people who were more concerned with a prophet than with their craft. And so they would, they would put wax in the cracks. They would put wax in the cracks, paint it, and then they would polish or um, varnish it. There's another word, glaze it. There'd be a glaze. And so to the, to the, the typical shopper, they couldn't tell the difference between a, you know, a cracked pot and, a, and an uncracked pot. It just came out. I, I didn't... Uh, <laughs> And I wasn't looking at anybody when I, when I said that. <laughs> so there were, there were these potteries, that, <laughs> pieces of pottery that had cracks in them that you couldn't see because of the wax. Except uh, real experts, could, they could tell. And they would hold it up to the sun. Remember the Greek word for sincere means judged by the sun. So they'd hold up that pottery. And the trained eye could see the light that would shine through. So to be pure of heart is to be sincere, meaning that we are not afraid of the light of truth. So if, if I am pure of heart, I'm sincere, I'm a person of sincerity, authenticity, and genuineness, then I'm not afraid that this group would get together and talk with this group about me because they're going to say the same thing if I'm, if I'm pure in heart. You see, I... I'm the same way with this group as I am with this group if I am pure of heart. I'm, the person who is pure of heart is courageously consistent. The person who's pure of heart, the person of integrity, has wrestled with the great questions of life and the, the tough issues of life, and, and he or she is comfortable with who he or she is, and, and we, don't wor we don't worry about what people will say because it, at least it will be consistent because we live courageously consistent. To be pure of heart is to be a person of integrity, not duplicity. We don't pretend the person who is pure of heart is courageously consistent. Those are the three things that scholars would tell us it means to be pure of heart, those and perhaps others. But what does it mean to see God? The Bible over and over says that God is not visible to the human eye. We can't see Him. Uh, so what does it mean to see God? Well, of course, the pure, pure of heart sees God with his or her heart. My first wedding, I, I, um, it was the, the, the bride was a member of our, our church, Lucas Grove Baptist Church, outside of Upton, Kentucky. 
And the groom, uh, he and his family were members of Upton Baptist Church in, in the town. And uh, he told me the day he, he fell in love with her. Now, they had seen each other. It was not a big community. They had seen each other. And they went to school together. They had seen each other in school. But this day, both families went to the one restaurant in town. It was called the White House. They both went to the, both families went to the White House. And he said, I looked across the room and I saw her as if for the first time. He said, it was as if there was nobody else in the whole place. It was like there was a spotlight on her. Now, he had seen her, but he hadn't seen her. But that day, he saw her. To see God is to, is to see him with our hearts. To understand his ways more clearly. To feel his love more profoundly. To be sure of him more absolutely. Let me say that again. To see God is to understand his ways more completely. To feel his love more profoundly. And to be sure of him more absolutely. The person who, see, who is pure in heart understands his ways as well as humans, finite humans can. The person who is pure in heart feels the love of God more tenderly, more dearly. The person who's pure in heart has a certainty. The doubts don't go away, but but the doubts are overshadowed by our, our faith, our deep certainty in who God is and his presence in us and our, his power among us. The pure in heart will see God. But let's be clear, pure hearts begin with new hearts. Pure hearts begin with new hearts. The Doobie Brothers were in town recently. Y'all remember the Doobie? Some of y'all don't remember the Doobie Brothers, but some of us do. They, uh, they played at the Orion Theater recently. Somebody said they did a, hymn, a medley of hymns. We might have them here maybe some, sometime. To, and they, I bet they did. They do Jesus is just all right with me. They, they, good. They, they, well, the Doobie Brothers have a, a song uh, titled... What a fool believes. And it says, uh, there's a line, a recurring line in the song, um, trying hard to recreate what has yet to be created. And it's the story of a foolish man who wants to rekindle the love that, his, that, that a lady used to have for him. He wants to rekindle that love. He wants to recapture those feelings that she had for him. The trouble is, she never really had those feelings in the first place. He was naive, and he, he thought, she used to really love me. If I could recreate that love in her, but it's foolish. He's trying, to, trying hard to recreate what has yet to be created. He's trying to gin up something that never was there. What does that have to do with purity of heart? Well, it's this. Religions will tell you that 
if you do these things, if you follow these rules, engage in these behaviors, then your heart will get better. But the faith of the Bible says, let God give you a new heart. Religion will say there are rules, there are steps, and your heart, it'll get, it'll get better. But the faith of the Bible says, don't try hard to recreate what has yet to be created. Let God create in you a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone, remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This is not about just getting our, making our hearts better. Purity of heart begins with a, an experience, a conversion experience so transformative and so beautiful that Jesus called it a new birth. Purity of heart begins with, with that decision to trust our hearts, all that we are and all that we have, to Jesus. In 1981, uh, right after graduating from Samford, I went to Venezuela as a missionary journeyman, meaning I worked there among career missionaries. And I worked in a little place called uh, Mene Grande, which means big seep. That's where the oil seeped up out of the, the ground. That's where the oil, the Venezuelan oil, originated right there in that little town. In fact, there was, oh, I felt like Jed Clampett. There was oil seeping up in my, in my front yard. <laughs> and um, anyway, so I worked at a boy's home at Mene Grande. And at that boys' home, the boys' home, the boys home was for boys who, uh, whose parents couldn't take care of them or for orphans or street kids. And so at that boys' home, I met uh, a Guajita Indian boy with scarlet skin and, and, and penetratingly black eyes. His name was Jose Gregorio. Jose Gregorio, Gregorio's story was that uh, his mother wasn't sure who, the, who his father was, and so she kept him for a little while and then took him to an old couple in the little village where they lived, and, and they took care of him until he was old enough to go to school, and then they realized they didn't really have the resources to offer him a good life, so they, they took him to live at the boys' home. And that's where I met Jose Gregorio. Now, Jose Gregorio didn't have a real place in Venezuelan society. He had no real identity. <clears throat> and he started to go to church, whether they wanted to or not. The, the director of the home was a pastor, so they had, and they had an old bus, and we'd go Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. So Jose Gregorio, for the first time, was hearing about Jesus. And um, so he was, he was trying to make sense of all this. So he'd been there about a year when he and I were in a little room they called my office and we were, I was trying to help him understand what it means to, to follow Jesus. And he interrupted me and he said, Hermano Travis, mi corazón está haciendo boom, 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 boom. Which means, Brother Travis, my heart is going boom, 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 because boom, boom is the same in Spanish as it is in, in English. <laughs> Hermano Travis, Brother Travis, mi corazón, my heart is going boom, 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 boom. 
I said, what do you think it is? And he answered me, creo que es Jesús. I believe it's Jesus. Now, I know there are a lot of people that, I mean, people who would interpret that differently, but I tell you what I believe with all my heart. That the Spirit of the Lord Jesus had found that little guy who had no real identity, no real place in Venezuelan society, and was inviting him into life at its best and life that never ends. And his heart was racing. His heart was pounding in his chest. How's your heart? Is it pure? Are your intentions pure? Are your morals pure? Is anybody now sensing that? Maybe on watching from your home or in this room, anybody sensing that stirring, that kind of racing of your heart? Maybe the Lord Jesus is, has come to you by His Spirit to invite you to that, that life so beautiful. It's called a new birth to a, to a new heart. Maybe your heart is racing because you're in the room and you believe this is where you should be a member. We'd, we'd welcome you. Our hymn is actually in your order of worship. So if you'll take that, we're going to sing, and we sing not just to close the service, but we sing so that you may come. And we're going to wait for you down here, and we're going to, to be a follower of Jesus, to join our church. We'd be thrilled, and we wait for you as we sing. Let's stand, please.